Hey guys, so first of all, if my voice sounds a bit strange um, on this uh, podcast, it's just because uh, I've been in Japan. <laughs> Clearly, my body is not used to winter temperatures anymore after all these years of living in the tropics because um, I just picked up a bit of a cold. Nothing dreadful, just a bit of uh, snot and, a <laughs> and uh, I can't speak very well. So if my voice cuts out or, or sounds strange, I apologize. My fault for not buying a scarf early enough on the trip, really. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, something that comes up. You know, these podcasts, these ones I do on my own, are generally about topics that, that come up or people ask me about. Um, and one, one topic that's come up is something called Zufagong, meaning, uh, or, or more colloquial term people use is spontaneous movement or spontaneous qigong. Sometimes it's called um, spontaneous qi flow, I guess. I've, I've seen different terms for it. But Zofagong is a Chinese for it. Um, and it's something I have spoken about before. I think in, in context of the qi deviations um, course, I think I mentioned it on there. But essentially, spontaneous movement is, is something that comes up a lot. And I, I don't spend time on, on forums and things. Only my own forum that um, is within our school. It's the only one I really see. Um, because, uh, well... I feel I should be on the one <laughs> for my own school. And generally on that online forum, people are discussing the systems that I teach and their training in. So I'd rather spend my time there. So I don't, I don't see what goes on in the sort of wider community. I don't go to any of those forums particularly. Um, but some uh, people, some of the students in my school do spend time on those forums. And they pointed out that there's a fair bit of confusion around Zofogong. So I want to talk about that a little bit and just help people understand what it is because it's something that I've encountered many times in many traditions. So if you don't know what Zofagong is, basically, or let's call it spontaneous movement. It's easier to call it that. Spontaneous movement is essentially, uh, well, according to the, the model, okay, the conceptual model, that when the chi moves inside the practitioner's body, it moves them essentially spontaneously, like against their own volition so somebody's somebody who's going through spontaneous movement might have been trying to do qigong or trying to do meditation or, or trying to do whatever i've said it well yoga has the same as well um, and then the body will start to shake or bend or produce strange movements which can become quite bizarre sometimes people will thrust their tongue out that's normal in yogic things spontaneously or bend over and touch the floor or start jumping up and down on the spot or spin around or fall over all kinds of things it's crazy the amount of movements that can be produced as a result of spontaneous movement it's it's not um it's not a part of all qigong systems and i would say that it's a part of a minority of qigong systems um, and yet at the same time even though not everybody is involved in those systems. There are people that stumble across it accidentally. So what I'm trying to get at is some systems would deliberately try to generate it, like they work with it. And there's other systems, methods, lineages that that don't. And yet people are stumbling upon it anyway. And this is what somebody pointed out, that within some of these forums, there were people asking, what the fuck is happening to me? And I'm shaking and falling over and making noises, sometimes spontaneously arising in me. Um, but my teacher doesn't understand what it is because the system does not include it. Or sometimes they're just told it's a chi deviation or something is wrong with you or, or something like that. So I thought I'd outline what it is, basically. I mean, th if you go back to sort of some of the older versions of Qigong, like Huato's Animal Frolics, 
um, the original set, the older sets. These days it's like a set form, isn't it? Many of you might have done the Animal Frolics. Uh, where people will move through like a, almost like a short form pretending to be an animal. But originally, actually, Huato's uh, animal products were based upon um, a series of static positions that generated, the result of doing the static position was they generated a spontaneous movement from within the practitioner, and those movements looked like or took the appearance of the animals that the sequence was named after. So, for example, if you took the standing posture that they likened to the tiger, the standing posture itself doesn't look much like a tiger, just as you hold your body in a particular position. But once it generated the spontaneous movement, then people that what it would do was stress out the, the, the tendons and stress out the liver to a certain extent, so that when the cheese started to move, people would find their tendons contract, which would create claws, right? because your tendons contract on your extremities, and your fingers look like tiger claws, and people will often sort of thrash around. And because the liver is related to the emotion of anger, often people will growl or something. So you can see why they called it then the tiger, ex the tiger frolic or the tiger exercise, right? Then, of course, as things get lost over time, and I think partially as well, because during the Cultural Revolution, or even a bit later when the Qigong fever took over China, which was a, and then and then the consequent sort of rebuttal against Falun Gong, the Chinese government actually, Chinese Sports Authority, Qigong Authority, whatever they want to call it, started to actually outlaw certain practices, and one of those things was a Zufagong. So consequently. Exercises like the animal frolics were then codified into moving forms, which is what you see today, which were considered safer and free of these kind of weird, supernatural or, or superstitious things. So these days when I see what people call the animal frolics, to me it's not really the animal frolics, it's a, it's a modern version of, right? hope that makes sense. Sorry, my, my brain's probably full of snot as well. <laughs> it's like uh, I haven't had a cold in ages because I haven't been in a cold environment, I guess. I'm going to move this leaf. It's going to keep tapping me on the arm, and we're going to end up fighting each other. Um, I haven't had a cold in ages, so I forgot, actually, uh, that it makes your, your brain feel muggy. So I apologize if <laughs> this is a little incoherent. Uh, yeah, so Zofagong is this thing that's produced from inside. And sometimes you might see it even uh, like a class of people doing... What's an example? Well, yoga. Sometimes people will do yoga. They've been to a yoga class, and often at the end of a yoga class, they have a corpse posture, where everyone, everyone lays down at the end. And sometimes everyone's laying down, and they're all chilled. There's 20 people in the room, and then there's one person lightly convulsing or spasming around. That would be a form of zufagong, essentially. Or sometimes um, systems such as... All right, I'm not a fan of this system, so please don't think I'm endorsing it, but Osho's work for example, where um, people would bounce up and down and go hup, 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 or whatever they did. And afterwards, when they went still, they would start thrashing and going into emotional releases and things like that, which is a form of zofagong as well, like people are moving against their will. That's what this is. So when people start to talk about spontaneous qigong or spontaneous reactions of qigong, that's what they mean. It's those kind of things. It's not uncommon. I believe even the, the Western psychology is starting to use a form of something similar to this where they release the nervous system of people with PTSD. And I don't know enough about it, so I'm probably going to get this wrong. So apologies if you use this therapy and I'm butchering the explanation of it. But they'll use a kind of therapy where people's nervous system will release 
uh, pent up stress and trauma essentially and they'll start shaking and vibrating and this is a kind of zofogong as well so it was an overriding term for these spontaneous movements or reactions that were arise during internal practice really so I had a teacher oh I had one teacher Shen Hong Zun Dr. Shen people would know him in the UK or in Europe definitely when I was younger that would use um, this a lot he would deliberately aim for it and then other teachers like Wang Haitao um, who wouldn't aim for Zofagong, but it was allowed if it arose, like it was fine, he accepted it. I had another teacher like Haunan Ren, who was anti-Zofagong, actually. Like it, so I've had, and many others, those are just three examples, but I've had teachers that had different views on uh, Zofagong within Qigong or, or Negong practice or, or something. Um, so it's it's there's no it's not like there's a consensus across teachers really as to whether it's good or bad. Someone like Shen Hongzun would say it was a healing practice and a beneficial thing for someone to do, whereas somebody like Hanam Ren, for example, on the other end of the spectrum, would say that it's no 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 it's really bad for your body and you shouldn't do it. So I, over the years of being a different system, I will say as well, actually, not to be too controversial, but almost all of the people, the teachers I found that did have a degree of spontaneous movement within their systems, either it was the mainstay of what they did or just a small part of it, would all kind of claim theirs was the only system that did it, of course. So there's, you know, there's, it's not true. It's, it's, a, it's a body phenomenon that is used within many different systems. The ones that were anti it were not wrong either because it does come with a certain degree of risk. Um, it's like anything. I think Zofagong should not be aimed for. That's really important. I don't agree with this idea of let's try to generate it. I think that's wrong. I think that a person should follow the system that they're following. And if it arises within their body, then that's quite, it's okay, it's normal. Um, but they should aim to move past it as quick, as quick as they possibly can. That's the kind of view I have, that Zofagong or spontaneous movement should be a um, temporary uh, phase that the body goes through. Sometimes that temporary might be quite long, sometimes that temporary might be quite short. It depends what process the body needs to go through. And then like anything that's powerful, because it is quite a powerful tool and it's quite a strong thing to happen to your body, then it's possible to use it in a really beneficial way and it's possible to use it in a really negative way. And the skill of the practitioner, and I would argue the skill of the teacher as well, is how can you yourself and how can the person teaching you help you to navigate through that process as healthily as possible so you don't do yourself harm with it. Because I have seen people do themselves harm with these systems of spontaneous qigong and i've also seen lots of people do themselves great benefit with that system of qigong and as with all these kind of things it's how you approach it that is really important so that's really what i'm going to look at so first of all the what is the mechanism of zofagong so this is a bit of a funny one because you have to kind of I guess there's a conceptual model. Everything's a conceptual model, isn't it? I mean, there's a little bit of a conceptual model but involved. But if you think about, certainly within the, the sort of alchemical view or the systems I'm involved in, Neigong, there's two forms of qi, two main categories of, of qi. So a little different from Chinese medicine or something, which is yin qi and yang qi. And they are broad categories of a kind of energy that builds inside your body. Yin qi is a little bit more magnetic and yang qi is a little bit more electric. Now, it's not the same as the magnetism and electricity that's spoken about because people would try to draw parallels with hermetics. Now, to me, hermetics and qigong are very different 
and I think when the two become mixed, I've seen a lot of people who try to combine them, it doesn't go well actually. And I know there is a pervading view that hermetics and Qigong can assist each other. I don't believe they do actually. I think it creates a hybrid that is problematic that at least glass ceilings development. But I think a part of the reason that these systems have become crossed over is because sometimes they share similar terminology. And I know the electric and the magnetic that is spoken, that is a term that is used in both, but actually the electricity and the magnetism of hermetics and the yin and yang chi of qigong are not quite the same. They are not quite the same thing. That is uninformed teachers that would say they are identical. But the yin and yang chi that I'm talking about in Neigong in Qigong has a part to play in Zufagong because one of the first thing that happens in Zufagong is when the Yang Qi is stimulated it starts to move more. This is something that can happen through postures, it can happen through transmission by a teacher, it can happen through breathing patterns, it can happen through your intent, it can happen through accidents. Some people just have a tendency towards it but Yang Qi can move more than is normal for you. You have increased or induced a higher degree of yang chi movement. So if the yang chi moves to a great deal more, then what it means is more electrical energy is moving through your body. And that electrical energy that is moving through your body will affect your nerves. And if it affects your nerves, it means that the nerves will start to stimulate the muscles to a great degree more, meaning your muscles will contract. Yeah, so if I have increased nervous system stimulation, it's like there's more electrical current running through an area and it will cause contractions on the body. So in the beginning, the first thing that can happen is when you suddenly have increased nervous system movement, is you can have shaking of the body. And that's normally what comes first, is tremors. And it's not the same as like muscle fatigue, it's different. It can go through your body and through your arm and, and stuff and the shaking can become quite pronounced. Then afterwards, the shaking can become contractions, and that contraction can fold an arm or fold a leg or fold a body, causing you to fold or bend or something like that, or, or sometimes the opposite. It can cause you to stretch, so people will suddenly lean backwards or open to the side, or, or, or the back will get longer than the front of their body, meaning they'll go to the ground or, or something. They'll kneel down or, or fall on their face <laughs> or something like that. Look, basically, any kind of movement you can possibly imagine can be generated by this increase in yang electrical nervous system energy that suddenly moves through your body before we even go deeper you know because there's other things as well that's the majority of spontaneous movement right there that's it you've increased the movement in your nervous system and because the nervous system is moving and you're in a relaxed state you're not overriding that by engaging any muscles on the surface then it will produce a kind of movement that comes from the inside and that spontaneous movement yeah so if you want to, well, before we go any further probably the first risk that you can understand or that that we can link to this let's look at the negatives of it is if you increase the energy in your nervous system you're going to take yourself more towards fight or flight Okay, it's going to engage the adrenals a little bit more and you're going to become stressed. It, more yang chi makes you more yang, if you like, meaning more hyper. More chi is going to rise, using Chinese medical terminology, and you will move closer to a state of stress. So you'll see this when people start to get spontaneous movement kick in, is they'll normally become a bit more hyper and a bit more up. You know, So their body will start to get stressed, the heart rate can rise, um, their adrenals will kick in. 
they become more emotional that can happen and you can see that emotional releases and zofagong very closely connected because more nervous system means more you know more fight or flight so what it can mean is a lot of people can get burnout from spontaneous movement because it can stress you now sometimes the funny thing that happens is when you're stressed if you like or your adrenals kick in it can actually make you feel like you have more energy you know like because uh, when you're excited you have lots of energy you've got more energy when you're hyper excited and stimulated generally than when you're bored and slouched on the couch and the adrenals aren't kicked in so sometimes people mistake that heightened energy for thinking i have more chi so they'll think that zofagong builds chi but it doesn't actually zofagong just moves chi it doesn't build it it doesn't increase the volume of it and this was my this is my disagreement that i have with qigong systems that use spontaneous movement or zofagong deliberately and tell you that it's increasing the volume of qi it's not really it's increasing the movement of qi which is is not the same okay the volume of qi is a is a different study altogether so just don't mistake the don't make the mistake of thinking because you feel more energized because your nervous system is stimulated or in fight or flight don't make that mistake of thinking that it's building more qi because it's not so the first thing that you should do is if the zofagon kicks in is, is spontaneous movement arises especially if it arises accidentally and your teacher doesn't know what it is and it's not something that that's expected within your your practice is don't panic that's your first step because you're going to have to counter that increase in movement of the energy by calming down so you want to sort of fight is the wrong word isn't it <laughs> you want to counter that fight or flight state that your body is moving into by settling the breath and detaching from the excitement or the arousal of this movement of energy and settling so if if i get someone in my class that is a fagong or spontaneous movement starts to rise first thing i do is calm them down it's okay like chill relax settle the breath don't worry about it they have to detach from that movement because if somebody is very anxious about it and very up then the combination of the spontaneous reactions plus that excitement fries the nervous system even more so a few other ways that that will a few other things, hints for you or, or, or guidances to stop you frying your nervous system. The next one is, is don't attach to the movements. So if you're too excited about them, that will also hyper-stimulate the nervous system. So I always try to get people that I'm teaching to develop an irrelevance to these reactions. If they arise, it doesn't matter. Like, calm down, it's okay. If you see people get very emotionally... <sighs> you know up and excited about these movements like a euphoria arising that's when they're going to get problems from spontaneous movements because the combination of the excitement is all very precious and it's all very you know all that kind of stuff starting to arise within them at the same time in the movements that's what's pushing them more and more into a state of of hyper stimulation the nervous system is too stressed so the first job of the practitioner is to just calm down and relax and just if the movements want to come, let them come, but don't get in their way. And don't get attached to them, don't get overexcited. Now, when these movements arise, they can often stretch the nerves around your back and they can feel like things are moving through your spine. So we should understand that it's not Kundalini. That's really, really important for me to understand. The biggest mistake 
that people have made that I've spoken to or, or whatever is they get spontaneous movement and they think that it's kundalini awakening or something like this and unfortunately some teachers are telling them that there's even a school around here local to me and I don't know if they're you know, I'm sure what they're doing is good on some level, but it's a yogic school where they lay people on the floor and they found the way, or the teachers found a way of generating spontaneous movements within the, the people that they're teaching. So the person will lay on the floor and start thrashing and moving around and stuff like that. And that the school is telling people this is the Kundalini awakening, they're doing a Kundalini awakening for them, which it's not true at all. They're just having spontaneous movement, nothing more. They are hyper-stimulating the nervous system till it's creating spasm in the body um, that's causing them to shake and thrash around and stuff. It's not a kundalini awakening. And the school is even called something like the kundalini awakening school or something. I can't remember. It's not kundalini at all. Kundalini is a very specific and a very deep process that very few people on earth have been through. Many, many people have think they've been through kundalini and you'll see it written all the time in YouTube comments and stuff under the video. Probably under this one, five or six people will say, no, I've been through kundalini. I've been through kundalini. I've, none, none of them have. It's incredibly rare and there are very specific signs of kundalini awakening. It's a very famous book um, that I've mentioned a couple of times in podcasts. I did read it, and it's about someone's terrible experience that they went through when they were having Kundalini. Um, it's very famous. I'm sure somebody in the comments will put the author's <laughs> name. Um, and it's it's about like the terrible experience he's had from his spontaneous Kundalini awakening. I think it's almost like required reading in a lot of yoga schools. And the joke was, I read it, and um, it's not a Kundalini awakening. The author didn't have a Kundalini awakening, not at all, not by the definition of what Kundalini is. What they had was a very intense, from reading their description, a very intense, spontaneous movement with certain um, outcomes of that that lasted for a period of time. And that it's, so it, not taking away from the author's experiences not at all what i'm just saying is i don't agree with the author's labeling of what they went through definitely not so i think armed with that knowledge a lot of people can actually make the experiences they've been through bring them a lot more down to earth and i think as teachers this is really important too because part of the danger say of that school that's telling people that it's kundalini is that well onefold you're you're making it a lot higher than it is it's like you're turning it into some kind of awakening or enlightenment process which is not that and secondly how is a student going to detach or relax or be indifferent to this natural bodily process that's unfolding for them if you tell them that it's the kundalini that's arising. Because, of course, the very act of saying to them, this is the kundalini, or the very act of them believing that it's kundalini is adding, uh, it's like, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's gold-plating that experience, if you know what I mean. It's, it's How are they going to attach to it when they think it's something really, really valuable? So that's detrimental as well. It's also not deities teaching you or anything like this like there are some schools that generate spontaneous movement and they say it's to do with your own deity coming to you and initiating you or you're being taught by spirits or something and that's not true either that's a little bit of a dangerous thing for these schools to say same reason because the more you attach that idea of this is a spiritual teaching coming to me then you can't get out of that fight or flight so once again what it does is it hypes the nervous system up and, and the, the person will get problems from this. I, In my experience, you know, when I have people go through this kind of reaction, 
uh, if it arises in them. Sometimes people will love the idea of it being an outside source teaching them, you know, and you have to spend your time saying, no, 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 it's your nervous system. And they're, they're the ones often with psychiatric problems, in my experience, will be determined. They won't believe you. They're like, no, 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 no. No, 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 it's Shiva teaching me, it's Jesus teaching me, it's Lao Tzu teaching me, it's the Yellow Emperor teaching me, whatever. Like, they just can't accept ever that it's just their nervous system, and that's dangerous. So when schools are telling people deities are entering, that's dangerous. It's not that uncommon in this part of the world. I'm in Indonesia. Obviously, there's a lot of um, Salat and others, Tanaga Dalam and arts like that here. And these arts tend to use a kind of spontaneous movement that's generated inside the practitioners. And I've seen it many times, seen it out on the, the practice field just north of here where the Salat school meets. And I've traveled uh, further west in, in Indonesia to see some of the Tanaga Dalam and Salat schools practicing. And they're the same. They will, uh, normally a bit more behind closed doors, but they will generate a kind of spontaneous movement within the student and then tell them this is some kind of primal spirit that's arising from within the middle of them, but it's not. It's excess nervous system energy. Because this is where the interesting thing is. If you have a kind of movement that's generated within you, if you then attach a mindset to it, it will transform that movement. And it's very much this idea of the yi, your thought processes, influencing the chi. Okay, so most of you have heard that phrase, yi leaves the chi, which is a little bit of a mistranslation, but it, it, it still applies in this case a little bit. Like, if, <clears throat> say I, how do you explain this? All right, okay. Use that example. Say I have, I am in a school and this extra nervous system energy is produced inside me. And it's causing my body to shake and twist and bend and, and stuff like this. If the teacher then says to them, if I were to then to say to the student that's going through this process, what you are going through is a very deep and spiritual process. What will happen is their movements will change because their subconscious will intervene in the movement of the, the chi and the nerves because the mind and the nervous system interconnected, intimately connected and they will start producing more spiritual movements uh, you can test it and what will happen if you are someone who's going through spontaneous movement try it, just know that it's an illusion first and then overlay your illusion onto the movements and then your movements will move to match that illusion, it's very amazing power of the human mind so if I, t if, if I were, not that I would but if I were to tell them it's a highly spiritual experience, it will become spiritual so all of a sudden that shaking and that threshing around will suddenly change into some kind of spiritual dance with mudras and prayers and what have you and, and if I were in a kind of school where I say this is some primal martial spirit, of course people will start producing martial art movements. If I take that spontaneous movement and I put a knife in each hand, which doesn't sound the safest combination, does it? Then they'll start doing forms with knives. And, 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 and then that's what happens a lot in these schools around here in Indonesia. They'll tell them, oh, you're being taught a, a deep martial art from deep inside of you or by the spirits entering or some hidden form from the past. It's a martial art you're channeling from past masters or something, and it's, it's bollocks. It's a technical one. What's actually happening is your nervous system is releasing energy. You're moving a lot more. You're overlaying a, your model onto this movement to create a new movement, and then it's picking up things from your subconscious. So what it will tend to produce is, remember, remember like your brain is amazing, and you've seen so many martial arts and dance movements over the course of your life. Even if you don't know how many, you've seen them in movies, 
you've seen people doing them, you've, whatever, normally movies, isn't it? Like, you've had a massive input of information, so you have expectations of what a spiritual dance will look like. You have expectations of what a martial art will look like, so therefore your body will start to produce these movements that match these concepts you already have. And if you can understand that, you can see already where a lot of the problems from these schools in Indonesia are and where a lot of these problems from the schools that say it's a highly spiritual process delivered to you by God or it's a kundalini awakening that's arising in their body. They're just subconscious models of delusion that are overlaid onto a natural bodily process that is happening because your nervous system is moving to a higher degree than it used to. That's it. So that's spontaneous movement. So the dangers are that if you fry yourself, you can cause adrenal burnout, which is why it must be managed correctly. Um, and the other danger is, as a spiritual practice, delusion, practitioner, delusion is never your friend. So if my subconscious is going to overlay a model onto this movement, or the teacher, even worse, is going to overlay a model onto what's going on, then delusion is going to rise, which moves you move further from truth, which is the basis of the, the spiritual path ultimately so it becomes a block on what you're doing so that's the downsides of these spontaneous movements when they arise what are the positives because <laughs> it has to be a positive or, or otherwise there's no purpose to it the positive is generally that your nervous okay we have to step back a little bit your nervous system is amazing it stores it's the memory a lot of the memory for your past experiences are stored within your body right and sometimes that's good and oftentimes it's not it's negative isn't it like post-traumatic stress for example is would be the far end of the spectrum would store within your nervous system so it's not just your brain that has memory your cells have memory we know that too but your your nerves have memory too right and often when that energy moves through the the nerves the increased yang chi if you want the increased stimulation of the nervous system then it will flow through the nerves until it hits a block and then that block is where the spasm arises. So in Chinese medicine, they will say that when the qi is increased and it hits a block, it creates a spasm. So, for example, in acupuncture, if I were to insert two needles in a channel and then put qi through those needles into the channel, which is how I work in acupuncture, I use the needles as a conduit for qi, then as the qi passes along that line, if it hits a blockage, often there will be a little twitch in the person's body they will spasm like the same kind of spontaneous movement that's produced in qigong and what i will do is i will adjust the qi flow or adjust the needles until that qi can flow smoothly through that channel and then the twitching will go so it's like it's like a little electrical tens machine which there is no electricity plugged in but it's like a little electrical tens machine causing a spasm and then as the blockage goes then the channel will grow still and the reason it's grown still is because the nerves have let go in that space, meaning the qi can flow through that area and the channel is open, the blockage is removed. Okay. So if you look at something like qigong, it's not that different. If I have or yoga or meditation or any of these things, or kundalini awakening processes, they call it whatever, whatever it's called, any of these things that are producing this kind of movement within the body, if it is causing a spasm, it's because the nerves are locked up. So that's where that lock comes from. So if the spontaneous movement is used correctly and we don't attach a model to it and we can just become indifferent to it it's just an interesting bodily phenomena it's not a deity it's as natural as 
passing wind or belching or something like that. If it is just treated in this way, it's not sacred, it's just a body process, then what will happen is your mind will relax away from it, you won't attach to it, your nervous system won't get fried. And then when the energy moves through, it will clear that blockage, meaning your nervous system will let go, and then the qi can flow more through your body. So spontaneous movement in this way can be used as a way to free up the blockages from the body, which will calm the mind and uh, bring you closer to center and increase qi flow and all of the benefits that you would imagine from increased qi flow and less blockages within your body. But that whole process is going to be prevented if we attach mental models to it that create blockages in the first place. This is why, like, I don't want to repeat myself, but because, you know, you'll get bored, stop record, but this is why I've said before that there are classes that, or there are groups that will generate a kind of reaction in the body, whatever, the spasm, and then someone will have that, and then 10 years later, they're still having the same spasm. It hasn't changed. 20 years later, they're still having the same spasm. Why? Well, because they're not clearing the blockage, so therefore the movement can't progress. They're still stuck on the same thing. The nerves are still storing the same trauma, the same negative memory. And as much as anything, it's because there's an importance attached to that movement. So because, you, wow, look at this movement, it's, something's happening. Because that's going on, the body's not letting go, it's not releasing, the mind is not letting go, so therefore you can't progress. So you get stuck. And it's the same that sometimes in these kind of movements will sometimes become emotional. So you'll get someone crying, and then five years later they're still crying, and then ten years later they go into the same group and they're still crying. And the reason they're still crying is because they're not letting go, so therefore nothing is changing in the body. So there's generating more movement through the same blocked nervous system pathways that generates the same pattern, that generates the same emotion. So it, if you don't understand how to develop equanimity to these reactions and relax away from them and indifference to them, then you'll never move through them. And I don't think it's any fault of the groups. I, I think it's a misunderstanding about what it is. Like the assumption is always more energy movement is good, but that's not true. Like more energy movement that's utilized as a tool to achieve a particular goal is good. More energy movement with no goal, so it just keeps reinforcing the same blocked pattern, is not good, obviously. So the, and the difference between those two is huge, right? And I don't necessarily think all groups know that, so they just go without all energy movement is good. And that's not the case. So this, you know, I've, I've been around the Qigong world a long time and I've been around a lot of groups and I've been around the yoga world a lot as well and all around the world and seen a lot of groups using Zofogong unwisely and some using it wisely and, and many that don't use it of course. So this, these are the things that I'm seeing. This is the, what I'm seeing with how people should use it as a tool. So I just want to reiterate once more. Spontaneous movement to me is not something that someone should aim for. So it's not a, a podcast where I'm trying to advocate for this particular type of training. Not at all. It's I, I'm doing this episode to help explain to those people already going through it that don't have a model or any kind of guidance how to navigate it safely. I think that if you aim for it, that's unhealthy too. I think it arises. Some systems will have a leaning towards using it as a tool. 
Many systems don't. And then what is happening is, I think partially so many people are engaging in internal arts these days, there is a certain percentage of people that will stumble across this or their chi will start to move and it will generate these kind of reactions of its own accord. So mostly the podcast is for those people that this is happening to. And I think also if you're interested in these arts, it's interesting to know that this is a process that can happen. It's not a chi deviation in and of itself, but it can cause chi deviations, meaning a chi deviation is generally chi that goes the wrong way. So there is a flow and a direction of energy movement inside the body. If it is redirected or reversed, it can create problems. So I don't want to get into that. That's a big, <laughs> that's a big topic. But one way this energy can get reversed is through spontaneous movement that is combined with the wrong intent. Okay, that's why people were nervous of it. So I think that if if you are going through it, you must manage it well, or you must speak to a teacher, find a teacher in your local area that can help you that's experienced in it, because it's not it's not something you want to be randomly just kind of <laughs> giving a go to. Um, but if if you are going through it also, it's not something you want to emotionally hype yourself up over. So be aware of all those kind of schools that tell you these movements are gods or deities or past life spirits or it's spiritual or you know, it's something you want or it, just more is better. All, all of these mindsets are just not right they're not correct the nerves have more energy moving through them if there is a blockage in the nerve meaning that essentially uh, there's a memory stored there of either a physical sickness or emotional sickness or something then when the energy moves in that area it can cause a contraction in the muscles related to that and as that relieves then the movement should end so if you are increasingly releasing your movements will get less and less and less if you are not increasingly letting go then your movements will either stay the same or they'll get more and more extreme they'll just keep going it's like if i'm putting water into a blocked hose and i just keep putting more and more water down in it but the blockage is not going eventually that hose pipe's going to go mental it's going to start thrashing around all over the place because there's not enough space for it to for that water to flow it's only the same with the zofagon so i don't just keep increasing it the other thing you have to realize is yang chi produces heat right? So if I'm going to start going into this process and not releasing the things, the blockages that are allowing me to move through this process, you'll just start building heat, meaning your body will get hotter inside, meaning more inflammation. So it can start to damage the body in that way as well. So if you see a lot of people that have gone through a lot of this spontaneous movement uh, in things like yoga or qigong, it doesn't have to be qigong, it can be any internal system or meditation sometimes will set these movements off in people often they'll look quite what i call parched dried out you know it's like uh, they got no fluid in their body like they're, they're vacuum packed <laughs> okay they'll because they'll start to wither up because the increased spontaneous movement will decrease the yin in their body because it's mostly from yang chi moving through the nerves and that yin that gets dried up it's because there's excess heat and it will boil the fluids, if you like, jumping around between different models in Chinese medicine and Qigong there. Um, so that's why they can look quite parched and quite dry. So if someone doesn't know how to manage it well, they can end up hyperstimulated in the nervous system and quite parched and, and dry. This can create problems, okay? And when yin starts to dry up inside the, the body, it will affect a couple of things, one of which can be the kidneys. 
Okay, so people can start to get weakness of the kidneys. This will be related very much as well to the adrenals. And then the other thing that I see affecting is the blood. Blood and yin are connected, so they can become blood deficient. And the other thing is the lungs. The moisture and the fluid, that's not a good example, is it? Because I got a cough. It's not because I've been going through some spontaneous movement, I promise. But um, if people are having a lot of these movements all the time and they're not releasing it, so they don't know it's just a process to go through, then it can dry up the lean of the lungs as well. So they can start getting uh, shortness of breath and breathing problems as well. So these are just normal patterns that I've seen over the years uh, from watching people go through this process. If the process is managed well, and there is an indifference to the reactions. I don't attach to them, I don't place importance on them, I'm just kind of observing them taking place with no model placed over them. Then you won't start to produce martial art movements, you won't start to produce spiritual movements, but you will move through the process quite smoothly and your body will move through it quite healthily and then it will be finished. And then you'll come out of the other end. So the spontaneous movements will always will all end and you'll go through a a process uh, called that basically translate to English is just stillness movement stillness okay you will go from stillness meaning no spontaneous movement to movement your body is producing these movements from the inside to stillness finished no more movements on the outside anymore because the channels are open the chi is flowing your nervous system is released your traumas are gone and then you essentially can go deeper into the art you can go to the stages of the art past the spontaneous movement so I don't know if there's much more to say on it, really. I just wanted to, in this short episode, um, partially shorter because I'm finding it hard to talk because <laughs> of my cough, and partially short because I don't want to make a big deal of this. Like I, I think spontaneous movement within whatever system, sometimes people give it too much importance. Like I say, and you probably gather from what I've said, I don't want people to think it's a holy thing or anything like that. It's increased movement going through your nerves. That's it. As down to earth as that. So if those people going through it hear this, like the, the next thing will people be want to know how to deal with it. If it arises in you, breathe more. Sit. Settle your breath. Settle your mind. Realize that it's not the Kundalini. Realize it's nothing important. It's just a movement in your nervous system showing that there are blockages because your mind and your body are storing things that are in the way of the chi flow. Relax, okay? In the practice outside of your qigong, stretch, open your joints, create more space in the body for the qi to flow, and keep detaching from any kind of results and don't place any importance on it. And then the qi will move through the nerves, and then you will find that your spontaneous movement subsides and it goes away. Now, when it goes away, your body will be more free and more open. And that's essentially the best way to focus on moving past spontaneous movements of Fagong if it arises within you. Never believe that it's a deity teaching you. And if that happens, that's a delusion. If a teacher tells you that, they are deluding you. Never think that it's the Kundalini. That's a mislabeling of a very normal process. Um, and never believe that it's some past life information coming through you or a teacher from the ether or none of these things. It's none of those things at all. It is simply a body function uh, that is taking place as your body needs to open up. 
So hopefully that helps. If you don't even know, maybe some of you listeners don't even know what Zofar going is. You've never seen it um, or you've never felt it, in which case, well, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it's okay because it's not something you aim for anyway. But hopefully this is helpful to those people who are going through this process and don't know what it is.